The Bird Show. Why would you even think about it? Why would you even think about not getting your significant other a gift for Christmas? I think my dude is about to make a massive mistake. Oh, yeah. And he's doubling down on it, and I don't know how to help him, and his family is on the line. <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, we were talking the other day, and it was a few of my male friends, and I had brought up the fact that this Christmas is hitting a little different for me because I have people in my life that I didn't have in my life last Christmas, like my lady, my little from the Big Brother program. Yeah. I did a, a friend's like Christmas gift exchange that I've never done before. So there are a lot of people in my life who I'm getting gifts for, and usually my Christmases are a bit dry, so it's very different this year. So I asked the question around the, the male group chat of how much approximately, if y'all don't mind sharing, have y'all spent on Christmas to see if my number was like right in average with, with my guy group or if it was off. And I was shocked that one of my friends who had the lowest number of us all is the friend who has a wife and three kids. So it didn't really <laughs> add up to me. I'm like... Okay, something's off here. Like, why am I spending more on Christmas when you have three kids and a wife? Don't now, add up. Is this a budgetary reason? Well, that was my question uh -huh. of, okay, how, the math is not mathing, bro. <laughs> so you're going to have to come to the table with what's going on in your house. So he was honest. He was like, well, I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all. I'm not getting my lady anything for Christmas this year. <sighs> Nothing for the wife. So I'm thinking he's joking. And this is not something that they all discuss, because I know couples will do that. Like, hey, you know what? We're adults. We don't need to do this for us. This is more for the kids. So you don't get me anything. I won't get you anything. We'll just focus on the kids. That was his justification of it. But the way that he broke it down to me, I think he's about to make a terrible mistake. Because he said this all. First, he told us, it's different. Y'all not married. And I'm curious as if the ladies would agree with this. Because he told me, typically, you get more gifts for each other before you get married, like when you're boyfriend and girlfriend. But in marriage, mm -hmm. typically the gift exchange is not as much. See, um, here, here are the things that I start to question about marriage and long-term relationships right here, is that the familiarity of the relationship starts to breed... Contempt. It's not, it's not contempt. That's a Taylor Swift lyric that you just said. It, it's just like, why would you not do things in the relationship when you are in that intoxication new stage? Why wouldn't you continue to do that in a relationship that's 10 years old? Mm -hmm. Um I, and I guess that's my question about marriage and long-term relationships right now is how do you keep that fire burning? And I know the practicality of it. Um, and that comfort level is super important, but I feel like there's something special about giving somebody a gift that if you did it before you hooked up, you should do it after you hooked up. I agree. I give my husband more gifts now that we're married. And that's my favorite part is watching him open it and wondering if I nailed it or not. Like, did I find something that, something that he would love? And I think when you're in long-term relationships, you get used to it and you can become lazy. And I don't mean that in a like... A mean way. It just, you're so used to it. It's so familiar. It's not new. It's not shiny. So you don't get that adrenaline rush anymore. You know, you don't get the, the buzz and the butterflies, but it's just as important. I would argue more important. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I keep saying that, especially as a guy that just came off of a breakup and I'm examining what I really want in the future. Um, we have to examine on why divorce rates are so high in this country. You really do. Right? So it's over 50%. So what are we doing wrong? Maybe one of these areas here is that, you know what? I know you love me and I know you, yeah, you know, I, I know we have this agreement here. 
we don't even necessarily need to show it in these little things. They seem so superficial, but maybe you do. And with you bringing up the divorce rate, I know a lot of the time a big part of it is financial, right? And that's where the base of his decision is coming from. He takes care of the finances in the relationship. He does all of the money. He does all of the filing, whatever that needs to be done. He has complained to her the last couple of years that she spends a little bit too much money throughout the entire year. And then when Christmas comes, a lot of money is spent on the children. A lot of money is spent on her. But in his opinion, he don't get too much. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's tired of it. (laughs) So I guess they got into an argument about this at some point. And he kind of presented her with facts of throughout the year. Look at what we're purchasing together for you. And look at what we're purchasing together for me and the children. And her number is apparently a lot higher than his <laughs> and the children combined. I bet. So he had a problem with that. And he told her, if you're going to continue to spend like this throughout the year, then fine. Mm. But you're going to have to sacrifice when it comes to Christmas because I'm not going to go out my way for you for Christmas. I can't do both. And that was established early on in the year. This is what he said. Okay. And she was reluctant at first. She didn't think that that was fair. But I guess when he came with the receipts, she got to the point of fine. Let's just do what we need to do for the kids. As long as the kids don't have to feel it, then she feels like that's the right thing to do as a parent. So he claims that when Christmas comes, she, he thinks that she thinks he won't do it. He's really doing it. He's like, I'm not getting her anything. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, bro, I don't think that's going to go well for you at all. I don't care what she said. Abby. I think he should still do something just so it's more of like a nod of like, hey, I know we agreed that I wouldn't buy anything, but I'm still thinking of you. And it doesn't have to be expensive. I think a very sweet card and maybe some flowers would go a long way. She's going to feel the fact that she didn't get a gift (laughs) for the first She's really going to be feeling it. And I honestly think it'll teach her... I hate to talk to uh, talk about a grown woman like this, but like teach her a lesson that if you really are going to disrespect your joint finances, that there should be consequences for that. If you're going to spend ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars on yourself throughout the course of the year, like you don't just get to have you know a big gift after spending so much money on like, yourself. That is your Christmas is all year round for you. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is every day. <laughs> hey. The Burt Show. All right, so moving on here, it is time for Shady or Not. And Leslie here, well, she is really wondering that because her friend has the same job, but she gets paid double, double. Is that Shady or Not? I think so. Hey, Leslie, good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so this is not about dating. No. All right. (laughs) It's not about dating. Usually our Shady or Nots are. So what do we got? Yeah, so, you know, I started working at this company about eight months ago. And, you know, initially I I took this job because I had just got laid off from my other job. It was a really great job that I had before, but I took this job because it allowed me to, like, spend all day with my daughter. I didn't have to have her in daycare, you know, but it was like half. It was half of what I was making, but it worked out okay. Well, as I start working this job, um, a lot of additional things start coming my way, like a lot of really big projects, a lot of owning, a lot of responsibilities. Um, My hours start changing. They start wanting me to come in early and early so that I can help develop the team, what have you. It was a lot. And then the past few months, we had a head of quit we had a director quit for my team Mm -hmm. and so it left my team like pretty empty it's just me and another manager um 
And so we were looking for people. Actually, we were looking for people. My boss is asking me, like, hey, do you, is there anybody that you'd recommend? And I had just spoken to one of my friends. And I was like, I used to manage a team with this person. I loved working with them. I think that they would be perfect to work here. And so they interview they interview her. They take her through the they take her through the whole process. They love her too. And my boss lets me know that um, she signed her offer letter. I'm like, oh, that's so great. And so I reach out to her, and we start talking. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, this is what it's gonna be like. And I ask how much they offer her, and she says an amount that is double what I'm making. She says she's making 130K, which I no kid you, this is double what I'm making. And I'm so upset about this. I asked, you know, the very, the very next day I asked my boss, like why I'm curious if there's a difference in why I'm getting paid so much different than my friend. And she, and he goes, um, well, she was making that much at her last job. And so, you know, we didn't want her to have to down, downgrade in order to come here. And I was like, okay, but I was making even more than that at my last job. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that wasn't considered for me. And he was like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So you, so you didn't know that, but it, that is the case. Um, you know, and I'm like, okay, so I'm not sure. Like, I just, I, I, I just don't know why this wasn't considered for the rest of the team. Like, I know that my other, the other manager that I work with, they make like maybe five k more than I do, and they've been there for a year longer than I have. All right, so uh, let me take. Let me take this from the management side of things for just one second, which is not going to be the popular position to take. Okay, so a manager's job is to get you (laughs) to their company for as little as they can. That is their job, right? Your job as the future employee is to get a job and get as much as you can. They got a bottom line and you got a bottom line, right? So when you negotiated this job with them, they you didn't use that as leverage in your negotiation. You can't put that on the company and you can't put that on management. Had they known that and they wanted you, they might have matched what you were making at the last place. You're co-worker here did use that as her leverage and got what she got in salary now um which she deserves she it, it this doesn't have anything to do with what you've done with the company i mean you could certainly go and ask for a raise now but this was all negotiated before she even took the job so well, i think it's crappy and i think it's crappy that you know that in a business sense as far as managing goes and bringing salaries together they didn't really do anything wrong yeah, I mean, I got to agree with Bert, um, but at the same time, it is unfair, especially with the workload that you've had to take on. So I would ask for a raise, and if they can't match it, it's time for you to leave that company. For sure. If they I, don't value you, they don't get your work. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's shady or if it's just business. Sometimes those lines do get blurred, but I, I'll never forget when someone told me one day, going into the workforce, you have to understand that you don't get what you're worth. You get what you negotiate, mm-hmm. and that's just the bottom line of it. So I, I do think you have you have the right to leave if you feel like it's not fair, 
because I can understand how you feel that way. But I think they just did what any company would do. Yeah, and the good news is now you do have that leverage. Now you have the context of how yeah. much your employee mate or your fellow employee makes. And you're so invested in the company that if you go in and you say, hey, I'm ready to walk if you don't raise my pay, that's a leverage right there. I will say this too, though, Leslie, before I let you go, that... Asking a company to raise, to double your salary in one year is almost unheard of. Like, they probably don't have the budget for that. Um, And even though you might be very valuable to the company, asking them to double your salary probably won't happen. Yeah, I mean, I I have very low expectations. They're going to get back to me and and pay me the exact same amount. But go get what you deserve and and, and use this for a lesson in your next position. And then lie... Lie to them about what you're making right now. <laughs> so you can't get that cash. Hey, The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's The Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Ow! Cardi B and Offset are officially over. That's my Cardi B impression. That's <laughs> hey, pretty bad. work, Abby. Not shocked. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look it over it. All right, this actually pretty bummed me out because I know these two have a bit of a tumultuous relationship. Like, they're always accusing each other of cheating. Mm. But it really felt like after their last single where they collabed and they were kind of poking fun at their relationship that they were going to make it through. Well, Cardi got on Instagram Live and she confirmed what she's been hinting at for a while on social media. She said that she and husband Offset have been split up for a while now. I don't know if you guys been getting clues from me for my lives or for my stories when I put some certain music or for my own followings. I've been single for a minute now. But I have been afraid to, like, I'm not afraid. I just don't know how, like, to tell the world. The last time I got on live, I kind of wanted to tell you guys, but I didn't know how to tell you. So I was like, I changed my mind. But it has been like this for a minute now. Yeah, so just come out on Instagram Live and tell the world that your very tumultuous relationship is officially over now. My relationship with alcohol is like this relationship here with Cardi B <laughs> and Offset. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth, breaking up. Um, but first of all, I feel for her so badly, um, especially if the rumors are that he was messing around mm. yet again. Mm-hmm. At some point or another, I think you got to just go, you know what? This is on me. Like he showed me so many times who he was and he talked his way back into my bed and here we are again. And she must feel so foolish. So she probably goes on a live or Instagram going, OK, I got to tell the world again. I feel like a fool. And then she does it, and now she has. It's, I, I, I have. I feel bad for her. I feel for Cardi as well. I mean, if you listen to her music, her first album especially, you can tell that she's been dealing with this for a very long time. And I will walk back my last take of I felt like every time that something happened with them, there was always an album or a single or something to come out after. But her demeanor in this video, I've never seen her like this. Really? I've never seen her this calm and... It it felt really authentic in watching the video, and I, I feel for. Her. Yeah, once you once that light switch goes off, especially with a woman, once that light switch goes off, it is done. What's it's the, a wrap. What's the when uh, a woman's fed up? There's nothing you can do about that's it. That's it. It's yes, over. Sir. Right. She's done it. I know she's tried and and tried to do everything to make this work because I know she has a child with Offset, and you really want to keep the family together. But at some point, like especially when you have all the resources and power in the world as Cardi B, like you got to do better for yourself. This is uh, again. We've been talking about the. Um, the dating antichrist for 20 years on this show here (laughs) where you go back and forth and back and forth and there's this gravitational pull to either the bad woman or the bad guy right and it takes finally one such extreme thing where you're finally like that's it it's over happens in one night 
And for Offset, bro, you went on her stage and stopped her show. Like, you you stopped her from having her moment just to tell her how sorry you were and that you were never going to do it again. Once you go that far, yeah. you cannot go back. Right. you got to be a stand-up guy from that point on. Yeah, people do anything except for change. And to your point, I do wonder, after all these years of him stepping out on her, like, I wonder what the last straw was for her. I wonder if it was something small or if it was something like, really? You did that yes. with her, of all people? Mm-hmm. It could just be a number. At this point, like, again, I let you back in, which is the most vulnerable thing you can do is saying, like, look, I know you were unfaithful. I shouldn't trust you, but I'm going to bring you back in. And we have kids. I've got every reason to try to make this thing work. And then when he takes advantage of that, at some point, your heart is just done. I think you just run out of excuses. You keep telling yourself why it's okay when you know deep down it's not okay. And at some point, you wake up and go, I'm Cardi B. I am better than this. I deserve better than this. Exactly. And it's never too late to find love, especially from someone like Martha Stewart, because at the age of 82, apparently she can still get it. So she was on the (laughs) Drew Barrymore show, and she says, she was, quote, knocked out of my socks last week <laughs> by a man. I love how she's backtracking. Yeah. Like, we didn't sleep together. Yeah. You know, it was just good for a night. It wasn't exactly appropriate, she said. Yes, <laughs> what does that mean? I wonder if it was her and Snoop finally hooking up after all those years of friendship and sexual tension. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> she's a freak. Go get your freak, Martha. Yes, sir. All right, one of Panera's menu items is linked to two deaths, so why are people running to the restaurant to try it out? It's on your next e on The Bird Show. Get it. The Bird Show. Does your sleep suck? Do you wake up and you feel like you're not refreshed and you feel like you've tried everything? I stumbled upon some advice a couple of days ago that I took and I have experimented with. And in the beta phase of my experiment, it has worked for two days now. And I don't know if this is in my head or not, but I would like you to help me with this experiment, everybody in studio. Okay. So I feel like I have tried everything when it comes to sleep, man, everything. Um, I now take a Lunesta every single night. At some point or another, I went on a, um, I went to a doctor for sleep and I went through all the tests. And what he essentially said to me is so long as you are doing a morning show, and you don't keep those hours on the weekend, those consistent hours, your sleep's always going to suck. So here, take the drugs. Very American. Take the drugs. <laughs> Very U.S. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing now for over 20 years. I can pinpoint the exact day as a sidebar where my sleep problems occurred. The first day that my son, who is now 21 years old, came back from the hospital was the last day that I had good sleep. I remember laying down, hearing my heartbeat being so anxious that he was in the house that I couldn't fall asleep. And it happened day in and day out every single time that I couldn't sleep on my side because I could hear my heartbeat. So I would sleep on my back. And since that day, I have never been able to get a good night's sleep. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was 21 years ago. So I've always struggled with it and I still struggle with it now. And I think that if you're not getting good sleep, I mean, science tells you this. If you're not getting good sleep, it affects you in so many different areas, not just cognitive, but it affects your heart rate and everything else. And I've been doing a deep dive into my health because old um, (laughs) and I would like to be on this earth for a long time. And my sleep has always been a problem. So 
as I'm trying this and I'm trying that and nothing seems to work, I'm on TikTok the other day. I know it sounds ridiculous, but look, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for sleep and I'm desperate to be healthy across the board. So I ran into this one TikTok that was this funky voice dude that's like, this is what the government doesn't want you to know. (laughs) If you listen to this frequency, then you will get better sleep. If you listen to this frequency more often, you will be in a better mood. And I'm like, wow, what a bunch of crap that is. But I'll try it. Sounds like you're on Patrick. It sounds like you're on Patrick Mahomes TikTok. <laughs> Is he your sleep doctor? I don't know what it was, but I'm like, you know what? I'm desperate, so I'll go ahead and I will try this thing. Now, normally on a good night, I will get about five, five and a half hours of sleep max. I go home and I take a nap in the middle of the day for about 20 minutes, and that's been my routine over and over and over again. So this thing said that the magic frequency for you to get deep healing sleep at, okay? Because those are two different things. Your REM sleep is really not where you get your best healing. And that's what everybody needs, especially if you're working out a lot. Uh, Your deep sleep, your core sleep, and your REM sleep are two, three completely different things. So for me, falling asleep is not all that difficult because I have enough gummies to do that. But it's staying (laughs) asleep that I have a tough time with. So my restorative and my deep sleep is not good. Usually it's just a couple of minutes a night, which is awful. Really, really awful. I think it's supposed to be about 20 to 30% of your sleep is supposed to be in that deep sleep. Me, never. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. So I find this YouTube video, which is just 12 hours of three hertz frequency. It's all it is. And it sounds like this. That's it. It's on my phone. Okay, you can stop it. Having it in the headphones is so trippy because I can feel like my head's vibrating. (laughs) Yeah, it's intense. All right, so that's on my phone at sort of a low volume, just enough to where I can hear it. Mm -hmm. But again, this is playing all night long when I start to go to sleep. Okay, so I check my health app the next day, and on the first night after trying it, I got seven hours of sleep. Wow, that was a big change That's in one huge. night. And I'm like, this this has got to be a coincidence. So I do it again. Last night was the second night. I woke up and I got seven hours and nineteen minutes of sleep. Hmm. And my deep sleep is way higher than it has been in twenty years. Whoa. Now, I don't know if this is just in my head or if that frequency nonsense is really working. And this is why I wanted to solicit your guys' help in this experiment. I would like you to try it tonight. I would like you guys to wear your Apple Watch to bed. And I would like you guys to go into your health app. And you guys can try this at home also. If you have an Apple Watch, you have a health app on your phone, and it's registering everything all day long, how your heart rate, um, so many different things. I just want you guys to focus on the sleep part. So when you go to sleep tonight, right before you're about to go to sleep, I'll send you guys the link to this video. And it's just that for 12 hours. And I would like you to compare, see what it does to your sleep tonight. Or over the next couple of nights. The only thing we don't have with you guys is a comparison because you haven't been using your Apple Watch when you go to sleep. Well, we could do the set the comparison tonight 
we could do a normal sleep tonight and wear the watch. Mm-hmm. And then the following night, we could do the, the sound and then test it against night one. Okay, why don't we do that? Okay. Just two, to see if this thing is in my head or not. A two-day sample is good enough for me to try. I I'm know. A, I'm a horrible sleeper. Right? I need any kind of help I can get. I mean, and more than anything else, I mean, there's nothing more important than what you're putting in your body as far as, like, your food goes, your health. Then sleep. There's nothing more important. So if you can't get that right, you're not going to be a healthy person. And if these two nights consistently are accurate, I can't believe TikTok saved my life. (laughs) 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 But I don't understand frequencies and the health benefits of different frequencies. And I don't even know where that TikTok is anymore, but I got to find it because if this works, there was a whole bunch of other areas Mm -hmm. that you're supposed to be able to listen to like some kind of music or frequency and it can completely change your health. Wow. Crazy, right? I'm on it. Vanessa says that TikTok's not crazy, at least in this area. Hey, Vanessa, good morning. Good morning. Um, so it's called sound therapy, and my daughter used to do it in occupational therapy to help her. She has some sensory processing disorders, and she's a sensory seeker. And they used, um, they would have her listen to specific types of music that had certain frequencies that would actually help calm her down and help her focus. Um, and so there is science behind it. It is a real thing. So it is a real thing, not just a TikTok thing. Yes. And was it just for sleep or was it for different areas for her also? It was different areas. So, like, some of it was just for her to be able to concentrate, to, like, sit down and concentrate and do schoolwork. Um, You know, some of it was just because she she was a sensory seeker. She needed extra input because she would do things like run around the house and, like, crash into walls, crash into the sofas and things like that and the sound therapy actually gave her enough sensory input that she stopped those behaviors. That's exactly what this TikTok said. It was a whole bunch of different areas like if you listen to one frequency it gives you more focus. Another one will give you better sleep. Another one puts you in a better mood. It's exactly what that video said. I know nothing about it. I have no idea if it's true or not but we'll try tonight. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Okay. It's the Bird Show. If you listen to The Burt Show, you know we call romantic alone time piano playing. And if you want to get a little bit better at playing your music sheet between the sheets, the best way to get started is to go to adamandeve.com right now. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item, plus free shipping and rush processing. And that's not all. When you select your one item, you'll also get a free kit that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something we know you'll both enjoy. The kit includes six free movies for your viewing pleasure, and Adam and Eve wants to make your life easy. They've got discreet shipping as your privacy is a priority, plus 100% free shipping with rush processing on your entire order. Bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your piano playing room. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item, something adventurous or something you've always desired. Just enter code Abby, A-B-B-Y at checkout. That's Abby, A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount at adamandeve.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? If I ever find myself with more time, I end up getting so stuck on what I should be doing versus what I want to be doing that I end up wasting the entire hour. So what if you could use that hour to actually improve yourself and improve your life so that the next time you have a free hour, you actually know what's a priority for you. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
Whether you need to talk through the guilt of taking time for yourself or learning how to set boundaries with people in your life who take and take, therapy can give you the tools to lead a richer life where you're, well, in control and happier. Therapy isn't just for major trauma. It's for the everyday problems that can be tough to navigate too. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. There's no shame in finding someone to vent to about the issues going on in your life. Plus, BetterHelp is entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. Get it? The Bird Show. You know what's annoying about therapists sometimes? The freaking opinions. <laughs> yeah, I hate when they do what I'm paying them to do. <laughs> you just keep that to yourself and let me live my miserable life, you and all of your opinions. You got slapped with some opinions. I did. I hate it when my therapist makes valid points. So she brought up something about my friendship and relationship history that has sent me into a self-discovery spiral, if you will. So shout out to my girl, Amy. She hasn't ghosted me. Love you, girl. Um, And I don't know if you've ever started a therapy session and thought, you know, wow, I really feel fine. I'm fixed. Mental illness. Who is she? Because that was me last week when I was going into therapy. I was like, all my problems have been solved. I'm sure they'll come up in the future. But as for now, I'm like totally fine. So I get into this therapy session and I just start like listing things off my calendar. I'm like, let's look at my itinerary. Did this last week. It made me feel this way. And I'm doing this next week and it made me feel that way. And I'm just honestly sort of avoiding doing any kind of really deep diving. And so I'm in the middle of this therapy session. And of course, therapists do what therapists do. And they actually get you to talk you talk to you about your feelings. Yeah. And we start going in on my social anxiety. And the one good thing about me and therapy is I'm a very self-aware person. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've skipped out on therapy for a while is that most of the time I know why I do the things that I do. I just don't really want to deal with them. All right, let's deal with that for just one second. I have a question here. Okay. Okay. About people, myself included, that say that they're self-aware. Okay. Those that say self-aware, you're only self-aware through your own lens. So it's not a very objective self-awareness, is it? it it's not. I think sometimes I like to think that I'm a, an objective person. Like I think that I'm real enough with myself that I know where I fall into the world in terms of like my behavioral patterns and where I I think I'm pretty objective in terms of like seeing things from the outside. But I also have the internal perspective of like, I know why I did why I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know why everyone else thinks I did what I did. So (laughs) I I will say the one good thing about therapy is that you do get to have somebody else's perspective through the lens of their own uh, mental health training and also just their own viewpoints in terms of like 
having so much context with working with so many people. So we're going in on my social anxiety and I'm doing what I do in therapy. I'm just being overly self-aware and trying to fix my own problems, despite the fact that I'm literally paying someone to fix my problems and tell me what's wrong with me. So I'm going in on my social anxiety and I have had a little bit of anxiety with social situations most of my life. And I think I assumed I'd had a fear of rejection because of my perfectionism. Like I have a fear that people will notice flaws that I already noticed being an objective person and that if they speak it into the void and I realize that it's not just in my head and that it's a real thing, I think it's going to send me down like a deep, dark path. Mm. And which is what, which is why I think I've had like anxiety in social situations. Like I have a fear of messing up, which you're going to do as a human, which is so it's stupid. Can you give us an example of something that you know about you that you're hoping others don't see, but if they do, then it will confirm what you think? Well, like, you know, if you make a joke and nobody laughs, it's like, yes, then it, quite a bit. Then it <laughs> I think we've all been there. It has like a deep, it would confirm a subtle fear that maybe I have that I'm not actually funny. Or in this case, it got even worse because I'm like, wow, I'm literally being paid to make people laugh. So yeah. if I don't make people laugh, then I'm literally not doing my job, which will then send me down another <laughs> spiral about the fact that I can't be really good at my job, which ruins the fact that I'm like a perfectionist. So then if I'm not a perfectionist, who am I? And it's just awful. <gasps> so anyway, I, I, that's why I've always felt like I've had social anxiety is that fear of rejection. And there's probably some truth to that. There's pro that's probably one piece of the pie. But of course, you're going to therapy. You're having somebody else tell you their perspective from their lens and view in the world. And so she kind of hit me in the face with something that I'd never thought about. So she, I was talking to her about some of my past relationships and friendships. And she goes, Hmm, it's very interesting to me that you've noted this, noticed this pattern that everyone you get close to leaves out of nowhere. Don't you think somebody who's experienced that kind of trauma would grow to have a fear of relationships? And I'm looking at her like, I come on the show every day crying out for a boyfriend. You think I'm afraid of relationships? <laughs> and then I kind of sit back and I listen to her, her reasoning. She's like, really? Like if, if everyone you've gotten close to and opened up to and the people that you thought you were closest to in this world rejected you, don't you think on a subconscious level you would be afraid to open up and that would in turn turn into some kind of anxiety in social situations? And I'm like, hmm, the math is mathing. So this weekend I was having a lot of social situations and I was uh, grabbing coffee with a friend the other day and this is this friend is the type of person who is just so warm and open and the friendship thing just comes easy to this person. And I'm kind of taking note of how she's acting in the situation and I'm noticing how I'm acting in the situation where like my muscles are a little tense. I'm <laughs> overthinking what I'm about to say. I'm planning out the jokes that I want to tell to make sure that she laughs because if she laughs and <laughs> she'll like me. And I'm like, hmm. Maybe she made some valid points <laughs> that I have a fear of building relationships with people, probably because of past trauma. So um, I learned some things about myself last week. So I didn't know about the past trauma, but so help me that this is the truth. I have written down here and I didn't know how I was going to bring it up okay. or when I was going to bring it up. You've just been sitting on this? I have been sitting on this okay. and I was going to use it for bonus content, right? And what I wrote, my note here says, Abby not ready for a relationship, okay? And what I was going to talk to you about is this. 
it's not possible for somebody to go out on 200 dates and not be excited about a second date without there being something underlying there keeping you out of a relationship. Now, I don't know anything about your mm. past trauma or being bailed on by people that would keep you, but it seemed to me, as a guy that's watched Dr. Phil quite a bit, that there's got to be a reason why you've never been excited for a second date. And this makes sense to me. I think it's a mixture of things. I mean, I do think that 95% of people you go out with are going to be wrong for you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think something she also, we also talked about on a completely separate level is that I'm kind of the type of person that's either all in or all out. I only do big things and I only do like small things. I'm never like in the middle. I'm never in the gray area. And so for me, I think part of the reason I haven't been excited for other dates is the fact that I'm kind of like, I'm either going to be really, really excited or I'm just not going to be interested at all. And I think I typically fall in the latter category. Hold on one sec, Mo, just because I want to follow this just for one second. But even if you, there should still be, the math is not mathing. If you go out on 200 dates and you're not excited about a second date for any of them, there has to be something underlying there. And I agree with what you're saying is mm -hmm. 95% of people you go out on a date with, you're not going to be excited about or go out on a second date with. But the fact that you haven't gone on that second date out of all those, I mean, it's a zero. You're zero for 200. There had mm -hmm. to be something else there. Okay. I don't know that two, 200 might have been inflated. Let's say 75. 75 might even be inflated. Let's say 50. I have been on second dates before. I've just never been excited for it. And I think that's maybe because I, again, I'm like all in or all out. So, yeah, I think that's kind of fair. I could be wrong, but I've always saw this a little differently than you. I've always saw Abby as the kind of person, and I can, I can relate to it in a sense, as you just don't settle. Like, and I think if a person were to admit to themselves that they are not going to settle by any means necessary, like you are just not going to accept anything less than what you deem to be perfection for you, mm -hmm. I think you can easily go through 75 dates and not find somebody that gets you excited. Really? I hadn't See, thought of that. I like that better. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> that, made, that, made, that answer made me feel good. <laughs> I do think there's some validity to that. Like, I do think the good ones should, it should be harder to find the correct partner. There's a lot of jacked up people there. Yeah. That can find jacked up people, equally jacked up people. But I think when you're at a certain level uh, of health, then it should be very, very difficult to find a life partner. We talked about how the divorce rate is so high. Yeah. I think it would be lower if people were more patient and really waited for what suited them. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. I hope you're ready for some dark humor because we have a story out of Panera Bread of all places. And it's very sad, but we're going to make some jokes about it. So just just put on that dark humor hat and humor me for a second. Uh, you mean uh, mine's on 24-7. Yeah, but not, not everybody's. Okay. So the latest meme on Twitter is people making jokes about this charged lemonade from Panera that is linked to two deaths and how people are running to get this new drink. So Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you said it's associated with two deaths and people are running to get it? Yes. But people, it's, I think it's because people are making jokes about it. Like, and I'll get to it in a second. So let me acknowledge the tragedy first. So a Florida man is dead after drinking three servings of this heavily caffeinated beverage from Panera. There was a lawsuit filed against the company, and it's the second one linking this drink to a death. So the charged lemonade has more caffeine in it. Than, the, than a large 12-ounce Red Bull and a 
16-ounce Monster Energy drink. So the FDA has cleared about 400 milligrams of caffeine a day for healthy adults. A shot of espresso, for context, has 65 milligrams of caffeine. A Panera Large Charged Lemonade has 390 milligrams. Damn. And you also get free refills. So this guy had three of them. I don't know how many of the... Uh, there was a young girl that also passed away. I don't know how many she drank, but they both passed away, which, of, of course, is a, is a tragedy. So how do you die from something like that? Your heart rate just goes up and you end up having a heart attack over? So the first girl, I believe, actually did have heart problems. So she wouldn't drink, like, uh, more than one cup of coffee at any given time. And, like, the largest, like, like I was at three Red Bulls in one cup. Damn. Because, like, I think, what, an eight-ounce or 12-ounce Red Bull is, like, 100 and something milligrams. Get less so of a high doing cocaine. Yeah, so she drank <laughs> one. Why'd you just do that? And her, she had heart issues and suffered Damn. from it. And then he went back because I think the in-store stickers, if I remember correctly, so don't quote me, but they allegedly are indicating that, like, the charged lemonade is like a cup of coffee, not like three Red oh, Bulls. okay. Yeah, so of course, dark Twitter got its hands on this story and started making jokes, which I have to admit, which I have to admit are pretty funny. Someone said Panera Lemonade is the fifth loco. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Someone said taking my <laughs> Someone said taking my Adderall prescription and then drinking a Panera charged lemonade. I will either solve the housing crisis or die. <laughs> Someone said I just asked my team to not speak to me until I finish my Panera. Homicidal <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> someone else said sipping the Panera Cashier 20 and asking if they'll waterboard me with a charged lemonade. If what? If they'll waterboard What? <laughs> you can't even get it out. I'm spinning over myself. <laughs> <laughs> the you can't get the <laughs> Abby, two people are dead. Okay. <laughs> She's literally crying tears over waterboarding. Okay. I just love this joke. Slipping the Panera cashier 20 and asking if they'll waterboard me with a charged lemonade. <laughs> literally, Abby would make the best spy because she would get captured by the opposing side and tortured and she would just laugh. Uh, just saw a cop get touched with a Panera lemonade and now they're rolling on the ground. <laughs> Can you imagine giving up Panera charged lemonade to a Victorian child. Getting a Panera lemonade and putting it in the fridge until, quote, it's time. And the last one, every government official over 70 should be required to drink this as a health test. I, I don't disagree with the last one. Yeah, so um, dark Twitter has really gotten me. It's really funny. All right, a former Baywatch star is revealing the weird thing that her OnlyFans want to see. You know, in the beginning, I got a lot of requests for feet. I don't really get that anymore. Now, they mostly want to see me like in everyday life, maybe wearing a T-shirt, making coffee or, you know, just that kind of thing. That's the biggest request. Take a picture of you right now. I want to see what you look like right now. And I'm like, well, I don't have any makeup on. My hair's in a ponytail and I'm kind of in sweats. I don't care. I want to see that. So they like that because I think it gives them kind of that what I call the, the girlfriend experience. Women have never been able to accept this. Mm -hmm. Never, right? You want to take it from here? You know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, the, the fact that women seem to, some for some reason, believe that we don't appreciate your beauty even more without makeup. Yes. That guys will tell women over and over and over again. Like, I honestly feel the sexiest a woman is is when she is coming off the beach at the end of the day 
there's been wind in her hair all day long. She doesn't have a stitch of makeup on her. She's dirty. To me, that is the sexiest look. But when you tell women that, they will not believe it. No, you you do not find me more attractive without makeup. Yes, most guys do. I completely agree. That's because we've been conditioned our whole life by magazines mm-hmm. to believe the opposite. So, yeah, you can be telling us the truth, but we're like, no, nah, 17 yes. Magazine gave me 21 ways to have the perfect brow on the beach. That wouldn't exist if I didn't need it. <laughs> well, I think it's also important to take the context into consideration, too, with the fact that on OnlyFans, you're typically seeing the most aggressively sexual content you mm. could see. And for her to be like, you only want to see me like making a cappuccino? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, that's pretty much it. Put a baseball hat on. <laughs> Sexy. No makeup Super and a baseball sexy. hat. That's all I need. Yep. For more stories, head to the Burt Show podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. The Burt Show. All right, so we'll get to Santa scared straight here in just one second. But I got to share this with you guys. And I swear to you, what I'm about to tell you is the truth. So this is the second time now that I have had odd experiences while getting massages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you last time, a couple of weeks ago when I came in here, things were a little odd in that massage place that I went to, right? This was a different one, by the way. Uh, and I told you guys that it just didn't, it, something didn't seem right, that uh, she was focusing on my ab muscles for way too long, which I've never had happen in a massage before, and was working her hands like down to my junk. And then just before she got there, she would like quickly move it back up, right? And I told you guys that, I was paralyzed with fear, (laughs) so didn't exactly know if she was being appropriate or not. I just knew that it didn't feel right. Then we had like a vice officer call up and say that he has a team of people that go from massage place to massage place, and everything that I was describing is exactly what happens when these massage places do the illegal full release, if you know what I mean, right? That was the day you discovered you were in the wrong career. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the day that I got a lifetime membership (laughs) to that place. No, so on Sunday... Um, after we had all gone out Saturday night, I'll be honest with you, I was hungover. I felt like crap. So I'm like, I am not sitting on my couch all day and just absorbing how crappy I feel. I'm going to go and do some things that will get me out of this hangover funk. So I go and I get an IV filled with fluids, right? I did that. Uh, then I hit the bike. I'm, I was not going to accept it. Uh, then I took a steam for 20 minutes to try to get the toxins out of me. I thought a massage would be a good idea also just to lay there and get a massage, which I did. Everything's going fine. Massage is great. I get a 90-minute massage. And you guys, so help me God, what I'm about to tell you is the truth. And I swear <laughs> on my kids. I swear on my kids. So you know how, like, in some places, you've all had massages, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in some places, they will, like, sort of, like, Slap at you to wake the muscles back up, I think, after. What? Yeah, yeah they do this thing. Yeah. You've never seen that? I literally nope. never had that happen. That's pretty common. I've so, seen that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty common. Okay. So they will, like, slap the muscles. I'm not exactly sure why they're doing like it. they're trying to make schnitzel? They're trying to flatten it out? How do you explain what it is? I, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do, but a lot of times they'll either slap it or they chop it. Like, yeah. I've had them chop it, too. I, I don't know okay, why. Okay, I've had the chop. Yeah. So this was more of a slap than it was a chop, right? This is the last 30 seconds of my my massage. Everything is going fine. I'm on my back, and the sheet is over me. And she gets done doing my chest and gets done doing my legs, and then starts doing the slap thing all the way up my leg. And I'm assuming she thought that 
my pain <laughs> no. was hanging down. No. And it was actually a little bit on the quad thigh area. <laughs> and the last thing she no. did was slap my knee. No. <laughs> hey. It's like her finishing move. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> you got Mortal Kombat. I KO. I, I don't think that she had any idea it was up that way and not down. And I think she was just as startled as I was because I jumped. <laughs> and then she almost like scurried out of the room. <laughs> and it was all over. I'm, I'm starting to think it's a new thing. <laughs> Everything was fine until the last 30 seconds. All right, let's, I, this is a weird transition to get into Santa yeah. Scare Straighter. Yeah. All right, so Santa Scare Straight is we have a hotline, a direct line to Santa Claus. You guys could use it if your kids are out of hand, getting closer and closer to Christmas right now, where Santa can call your kid and say, hey, Here's the word on the streets. This is what you've been doing, and as it stands right now, you are not on the good side of the list. So Mary hits us up, and she needs to tell us about Rosie, who is six years old. Rosie's constantly talking at school, which is disrupting her and her classmates. She's being disrespectful to the daycare teachers. She was in the bathroom at daycare after school, went to the bathroom, and smeared the poop on the girls' bathroom walls. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> uh, her go-to comeback is... Your mama! <laughs> classic. It's a classic. It's a, cla- it's a timeless classic. So Santa needed to give her a call, especially, here's another one, bad at having accidents during the day, doesn't want people to take her toys, she pees in her pants. Santa had to give Rosie a call and say, hey, it's time to get on the good list. Hello? Ho, ho, ho! It's Santa calling for Rosie. Rosie? Yeah. Rosie, it's Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> did you expect to hear from me? Yeah. You did? Why? Uh, I don't know. Well, let me tell you why. You know, we have two lists here at the North Pole. Do you know what those lists are? Naughty and nice. Guess which one you're on. Uh, nice. Well, not so much. You're in what we call Santa Purgatory. What? It means you're in danger (laughs) of being on the naughty list if you don't get your act straightened up. Okay. There's just a few things I'd like to go over with you. What? I'm looking at a report here from Sparkles the Elf, who, I don't know if you know this or not, sends me a report daily. What is it? Number one, you constantly talking at school, disrupting your classmates from learning. Does that sound like something you're doing? Yes. What seems to be the trouble? I just have a lot to say. Looking at my Santa vision, I see you do. You know, I have cameras everywhere, at school, at home, watching you. I can watch you anytime I want. How? Little tiny cameras. You can't even see them. If you tried to look for them, you wouldn't be able to find them. They're that small. How small are they? They're built by little tiny elf hands. Well, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Cute enough for you not to detect. (laughs) All right. 
Let's get back to school. I see you being mean and disrespectful to your daycare teachers. What do you do with your eyes when they tell you something to do? I roll my eyes. And I've heard you saying, I don't care. And when they tell you that they're going to call your mom, you say what? I'd like to see you try. <laughs> you tell your teachers that. All right, well, between now and Christmas, no more of that, okay? Okay. Let's talk about something that happened recently at school. You went to the bathroom and something happened. You became an artiste. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What happened? I've seen it on my Santa vision. I just want to hear it straight from the Picasso. I put poop on the wall. You didn't just put it, you smeared poop all over the girls' bathroom, didn't you? Yes. Why did you do that? There was no toilet paper. So you had to take things into your own hands, so to speak. Yes, Santa. All right, but then when you did what you did on the wall, it seems like once it was up there, you discovered that you could, like, draw things with it. Is that right? Yes. What were you drawing on the bathroom walls? I don't know. Were you, were you finger painting? In the way, I guess. <laughs> okay. Did you, like, run out of brown? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I know you're quite the artist, but let's save that for art class in the classroom. No more finger painting with poop on the walls in the bathroom, okay? Okay. All right. Now, when someone says something mean to you, what's your immediate comeback usually? Your mama. So if someone says something about you, you go, your mama. Yes. You want to hear some Yo Mama jokes? Yes. Hmm, let me see. I'm looking in my Yo Mama joke book. What the? <laughs> your mama's so ugly, when she was born, the doctor slapped your grandma. <laughs> your mama's so ugly that most Snapchat filters make her better looking. <laughs> Your mama is so ugly, her birth certificate is an apology letter. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want you saying any more your mom to other people. Those were just for me and you, okay? Okay. It isn't nice. All right. And then there's one last thing, and this is kind of serious, because this has happened to Santa before, too. Have you been having accidents during the day? Yes. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. It recently happened to Santa. I got a hold of some almond milk, and it was bad. It was really bad. Do you know who Jackson Pollock is? No. When I was done, it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. Anyway, back okay. to you. You're having accidents during the day. You're basically doing what in your pants? Um, peeing? Yes. Why aren't you going to the bathroom? Why are you peeing your pants? I don't know. I've looked on my Santa vision, and I see you saying that you pee your pants because you don't want to get up and go to the bathroom because you don't want other people to take your toys. Yes. Wow. Those must be some pretty awesome toys that we made here at the North Pole. Yes. I want you to repeat after me. Ready? Okay. There's no okay. toy. There's no toy. Worth pee in the pants. Worth pee in the pants. <laughs> All right. You just remember that, okay? That's okay. Your, that's your new mantra. Okay. Say it again. There's no toy. Worth pee in the pants. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.